pain. Usually I have a, like a list of questions and you pick a number or whatever, but for you in particular, I wrote two questions that I think just it just fits better with the mood, all right? So okay. you're from Atlanta, yeah. No, it's like you thought. You're yeah. from Mount Juliet, but you like Atlanta sports. Yes, okay. I do know Atlanta sports very well. Okay. My question, coming from Chicago as well, are some sports cities just cursed? Um, I mean, I definitely feel like uh, some some cities definitely have that feel to them. I mean, you, you can name some off the top of your head, like, I don't know, Cincinnati, mm -hmm. um, Cleveland for a long time before, you know, LeBron yeah. won one finally. Um, I mean, yeah, you could go Chicago, since the Bulls at least. Um, I mean, just, oh goodness, yeah, Atlanta, they're, they're up there too. I mean, I, I definitely feel like some cities attract more star power, um, mm -hmm. especially when you go to like LA, um, I don't know, Boston, yeah. New York. Um, I mean, even New York has been cursed recently, so I mean, you can't I mean, even say both that anymore. Both their football teams. Mm -hmm. The Yankees are what just went like three and twenty. Like yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like it's weird you say like Cincinnati because mm -hmm. now they're young and they have a whole bunch of like future. So it's like how do you make that change? How do you break the curse? Because people are like players are like trying to go to Cincinnati mm -hmm. and that's weird because it's like wouldn't you prefer to go to like Chicago or like a bigger sports market and like no 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 I'm trying to play with Joey Burr, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I mean, it, it's like, think about it this way, if everything starts at the cultural level with mm -hmm. an organization, so like the, the Falcons in 2016, right. they, were, they were one of the best teams in the league, they were young, they had all the good players, mm -hmm. they had that charisma, it, it's all about showing all the players, the fans, that what you're building there is, is a good thing and that you're working together. Yeah. Versus like, the, like the Bears, like right. you know, Matt, Matt <laughs> Nagy. I mean, he, the the culture he instilled wasn't something that was necessarily positive, and players yeah. weren't really attracted to that. Yeah. So, I definitely feel like the the, uh, the the Bengals themselves have done a really good job of doing that with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. Mm -hmm. I mean, even on the defensive side, guys like uh, guys like Hubbard, Hendrickson. I mean. That they're just guys that came in and really played the role that they needed to very well. Yeah. So doing that's a big part of it. Okay. Because, and, and here's the thing, we're about to see if Mitch is good in the Steelers after being backed up by, you know, or with Ryan DeBall. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, do some teams like, and, and this is just across all sports, you can have really good talent, but if the ownership is bad, they're not used properly or, you know, bad contract, they want to leave. Because I feel like you have, like, the Fords and you have the McCaskies who are really old and don't really know what's going on, what players need. But then you have, like, Kansas City coming out of nowhere. Or I guess the I guess the Broncos just were bought out with the young, the Walmart family. Like, I feel like organizationally that plays a huge part in if, if people want to keep coming there too. Uh, it, it definitely does. Um, I feel like the um... – the, like the one that people can always talk about is Jerry Jones, mm -hmm. the Cowboys. He was the first owner to come in and really be that like that big piece of yeah. the organization. A lot of other owners just bought it, got a GM, handed everything to that GM. 
but owners like him, um, the Falcons owner Arthur Blank. Mm-hmm. Arthur Blank had a direct role in, in picking all the picks that have that he that have been chosen in the last few drafts, yeah. just because he's that invested. Um, I mean, it, it, it you need at least one powerful figure between the owner and the GM, but if you have two, it it can get messy. Right. Um, the Falcons had that with Thomas Dimitrov and um, and Arthur Blank before he got fired a couple mm-hmm. seasons ago. Brought in Terry Fontenot. Fantastic GM, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, definitely with the McCaskies, with the Bears. They're very instilled in, you know, the NFL itself. Yeah. Just because they've been around for so long. But um, p- picking the right GM for them is something that they've had trouble with. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they've had, they had Ryan Pace last um, yeah. He now works for the Falcons. Um, <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah, no, we've signed I think ten Bears players this off season. Oh, so, no. oh. yeah, that's a great sign. But uh, we got Mariota, yay! Yeah, we love Mariota. He actually had a really good preseason. I do like Mariota. I actually do. PFF said that he was the highest rated quarterback in the entire NFL preseason. So, well, all right. Yes, that is, there is that. But um, no, it definitely building a culture starts at either that owner or that GM. You just need one strong figure to build that. Okay. Up. Okay. Well, these are supposed to be the intro questions. We've been talking for like five minutes now, but it's all right. Um, so let's get into the actual the, uh, meat and potatoes here. Okay. You could say this is both the best and worst time of the year. Mm-hmm. School starting back up, but also college sports are starting back up. Definitely. Right. So for you in particular, it's got to be interesting because of just your passion, your major, all that kind of stuff. So can you tell me about your major, sort of what you want to do? Yeah, um, so I recently graduated um, from the University of Tennessee with a, uh, with a degree in political science, mm-hmm. un- unfortunately. Um, would have been in business if you know things had worked out, but now I'm pursuing my JD as a law student mm-hmm. um, here at the University of Tennessee and potentially a, a master's in business as well. Um, so in what all those degrees I want to come out to is um, being an agent with either a um, an agency dealing with the NFL, the yeah. NBA, um, contracts in that realm, um, NIL deals. Um, I'd love to learn about those. Yeah. Um, and also working on the team side and writing contracts for them as well. That's also mm-hmm. one of my potential job fits. So. Yeah. Real fast. I know a bear who needs an agent. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you want to talk to Roquan, that'd be great because we need him. I think Roquan might want someone with a little more experience than, uh, well, than me. But technically, he's representing himself right now. So you know what? Fair enough. I think I've had a little more law classes than he yeah. does. Because okay, can you tell us about some of those law classes? Because you hear law, and you just think of like people studying for the bar, eighty hours a week in the library, like whatever. Ordering Chinese food at like two a.m. Mm-hmm. Like, what is what does that look? What's your like average day look like? Um, so my average day looks like I, I wake up probably about six six thirty. Oh, um, I go into the law building have about an hour before class. Um, I'll usually run class from nine a.m. to about noon. Mm-hmm. Um, we have we have a like a certified like lunch hour where nothing can be scheduled during. So okay. um, between twelve and one, you know, get some lunch somewhere. Um, maybe go to a club meeting. Um, and then one o'clock, class kicks back up. That goes till about you know four o'clock ish. Um, and then 
now I'm probably there for another hour or two, getting some more work done. Because I keep all my books at the law school because I would literally have to take a duffel bag if I was yeah. in between places. Well, that so. would look like an average like, law student, just it's like, so, excuse me. Oh my god, they're so heavy, dude. Like, it's, it, it's literally like, I, I would say 80 pounds of books. Like, they lugging them is just, oh, school. So they haven't bad. figured out digital books yet, or? Um, they don't like physical books. All the law professors do not like digital books. So they, they're like, enjoy these yes. heavy 80-pound books. Because mm-hmm. they expect you to take notes in the margins, highlight oh, okay. stuff. So you can make what you they, what they call an outline for the final exam. Uh-huh. Because you're expected to be able to take all the information that you get and synthesize it down into probably about two pages. Yeah. And then you, you have that to study for the final exam. Because the final exam is probably... 85, 90% of your grade. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Well, well I also can't really imagine you guys getting like, oh, here's like a piece of homework. Like, I, I feel like it's just going to be reading mm-hmm. and then a, a final exam. So it actually does kind of match up. Yeah, no, it's literally just straight reading cases. Um, I'll probably read 12 cases a day. Okay. Um, and then probably, I don't know. I'll try to do at least a couple practice problems for mm-hmm. each one, just to get my brain thinking of it in a like a like a solving it manner rather than a memorizing it manner, because law is very much um, taking what you learn and putting it towards something you've never seen before. Right. So. Yeah, I was gonna say that that's probably. I mean, the original Constitution they could not have imagined the internet, mm-hmm. like they could not have imagined cars, like just just everything you have to have that either elastic idea of the law or interpret it and be like well I, I don't know what this is going to look like but at least for now this is sort of like what we're dealing with and then just adapting to it is that fair to say yeah that's definitely one of the uh, the main points that you could bring up about law school like th- there is uh, so in criminal law one of the things that we learned about was um was how some judges prefer to take the law exactly for what it is yeah so there was this one case in California um, where this this lady was pregnant, ex-husband came and punched her in the stomach a bunch of times, killed oh. the baby, right? Okay. And California law couldn't prosecute him for more, for murder because of this 1850s statute from you know the the old days that yeah. was like human like human beings are only after birth, so like they couldn't person prosecute him for murder yeah. for that. So there, there's definitely different ways to look at it because if, if you looked at that in like, like if that happened now in New York. Mm-hmm. Very different. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it depends on what the judge is and what, what the specific law in whatever state is. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it's all variable. There's so much research in law. So. Yeah. So I was going to say, how much is that going to like the records and just going back to find? Because I always think of... um. <laughs> Google hunting mm-hmm. where he's like I'm citing the 1750s carriage law as to why it's not Grand Theft Auto like how much of that is just going back and reading versus like oh no I we got this one memorized like we're good to keep moving I mean if, if you are doing something like criminal law or civil like civil law yeah. civil procedure um, I mean a lot of it is going back and looking at those cases like the law um, like law firms use these things called uh, databases. Okay. 
Um, there's two big ones, Westlaw and LexisNexis. Um, both of them have massive archives of cases going back 16, 1500s. Okay. Back to like English English common law. Um, so like a lot of it's going back and seeing which cases you can take to fit your case. Uh-huh. Making sure that like the jurisdiction's correct, the um, I mean the the different charges are correct. Like it's you want it to match almost exactly to what you want. Mm-hmm. So that way the court can be started like you start decisis, which is you know taking previous court precedent and bringing it into the future. Right. So um, yeah, it's it's definitely a big part of it. Um, at, at least it has been for me in the last you know month or so. Yeah. Learning about it. Yeah. Would you say in your classes because you're talking about criminal, but you want to do more agency stuff? Correct. Is everyone in there just they're just getting their JD and then they go off and do their own thing, or is do they like specialize your degree as you go further on? Um, so as I go further, um, especially starting the, the uh, second year next year, um, you'll be able to choose your classes okay. um, for one, um, and I'll be able to focus more on like contract drafting, um, more, more transactional law because that, yeah. that's technically what it is when you're a business lawyer. So. Um, I'm just taking all the prereqs right now. I am okay. in a contracts class. Oh, okay. Which is nice. Um, but a, a lot of it is just like getting your toes wet and just what law is right now. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, you care if we move on? Yeah, sure. Okay. Speaking of contracts, this is another good question I got for you. So, LeBron has got an extension. He's made or $528 million in justice contracts. Mahomes got a 503, not all that guaranteed, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Watson just got 230 million guaranteed. How long do you think until there's like a billion dollar contract? Not long at all. No? No. Um, the way that sports has progressed, specifically in basketball, I would say, um, the, the, the salary cap grows with the revenue that the league makes. So as leagues grow, mm-hmm. that salary cap is able to increase more and more each year. Yeah. Until like you know, I remember one famous contract a couple of years ago. Timothy Mozgov, um, he played shout for the out. Cavs. Yes, yeah, <laughs> shout, shout out Timothy Mozgov. If he ever hears this, please, my guy. Um, he made ninety million dollars to go play with the Lakers, and this man averaged like five points a game, and he he got paid ninety million dollars. Well, see, so, at least like. Like just a locker room favorite. Like, why are they? He keep, played why with are they LeBron. Okay, he played, he played with LeBron. That's why. Okay, because he played with LeBron in Cleveland. But, um, yeah, no, like the NBA itself is growing so much as a national, like an international uh-huh. brand, especially in places like China. Yeah. Um, a lot of uh, East Asian countries mm-hmm. love basketball. So, the more that they increase and their revenue increases, the higher that that salary cap's going to go, and you will probably see a one billion dollar contract soon. Also, LeBron does have a billion dollar contract with Nike currently. Yeah, so I was going to say, that's more, that's, you know, mm-hmm. shoes, and then you have, you know, yeah. oh, I eat, I eat at McDonald's, there's a lot of money, like, yep. but I'm talking, like, owner sits down, or with the GM or whatever, and is like, alright, we're going to do a 10, 10 year, one bill contract. Mm-hmm. Soonish? I, I'd say five to ten years. Jeez. Um... Yeah, no, the highest paid NBA players right now are getting about 50, 40 to 50 mil uh-huh. um, per year. So to approach that 100 mil mark of where it would be 10 years of a billion dollars, that's that's quite possible. Yeah. 
Um, it could even happen sooner in like some sport like soccer. Yeah. Um, like I mean, soccer globally Ronaldo. is just huge. Yeah. And the amount of money that they will just throw at people just mm-hmm. to get them on their team is insane. I was gonna say, I'm pretty sure Ronaldo makes a billion just because he's the he's the most followed person on Instagram. So he gets a lot of money from that, but contract-wise, I'm sure that's up there too. Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, the uh, the so there, there's something called the transfer window mm-hmm. in uh, soccer, and that's where um, teams can go to other teams and pay them to yeah. have their players, right? Yeah. So, the English Premier League, which is considered widely to be the the best league in the world, um, maybe La Liga, but yeah, <laughs> I'm a La Liga man myself, right. but. People widely consider, you know, Premier League to be the most popular, and um, I mean, they reflect that with how much they pay their players. Mm-hmm. This year alone, La Liga, um, Bundesliga, League One, and um, goodness, I believe it was the Eredivisie. Um, okay. All of them combined spent the same amount of money as just the Premier League. So. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So the. The amount of money, especially in English football, could definitely surpass that of, you know, American basketball or mm-hmm. American football. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah, it's something something weird to think about, huh? I had a, I had a good question. I completely forgot it. <laughs> okay. If it is, because I know, like, for football, especially... If the owners have more money, they can, or maybe is is that the same in the NBA? If the owner, like they're paying out of pocket. I know for baseball, it's like the owner's money is paying the contracts with the revenue and all that kind of stuff. Does that just create a, the good teams just stay good and the bad teams, they can't get the good players because they they can't pay them anyway. And then they don't make enough to get fans in there to then pay the tickets. So like, is, is that, is that fair to say or no? Um, it depends on the sport. Okay. So some sports have a salary cap, correct? Yeah. Um, so the NBA um, has a quote-unquote salary cap. Uh huh. Um, you can pay a luxury tax to go over it. <laughs> so it's kind of useless, but teams like to tend to stay within their salary cap. So it, it kind of keeps the NBA somewhat, you know, parodical. So no team just becomes super overpowered. Well. Um, well, actually, recently, it's actually pretty even now. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's been pretty good as of late. Um, but like the NFL has a very strict salary cap. Like you cannot be over that salary cap. Well, yeah, the Rams think. somehow they you keep. Would think. Yeah, but th- again, there is like a penalty, and you have to pay a bunch of money to the NFL yeah. if you're over. And you know, stamps the owner of the Rams, uh, Stan uh, Cranky, uh huh, Cranky, something like that. But, Probably Cranky. Yeah. Yeah, but uh. He uh he has a lot of money, so he right. has to spend it on the Rams. So he, he might just be a few over, but he's done a very good job of structuring contracts, um, which is a big part of it. Yeah. But in the MLB, there is no salary cap. You can play a player, pay a player whatever you want to pay him, which is why teams like the Yankees, the Dodgers, uh-huh. um, all those massive market teams, they get all the good players. The Braves are starting to join that uh-huh. upper echelon of being be able to get whoever they want. Just because they have like a larger market than a team, you know, like the Marlins mm-hmm. or um, the the Rays. The Rays right. are a great example. Um, <laughs> they just the only reason that they're halfway good is because they have fantastic management that knows how to get the most out of their players. Them and the A's are great examples of that. Mm-hmm. Moneyball. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
Do, is that a like required movie for class or no? I wish no. <laughs> no, we don't require any movies, unfortunately. Just a lot of reading, which is the opposite of <laughs> what you want to hear. I'm sorry. It's it's okay. I finished my reading for today, so good. We're, we're okay. chilling today. Let the record show it is Monday on a on Labor Day, so you had the entire weekend and you still had required readings, even though there's no school. But oh, of course. Always, always give me more stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Hello, and welcome to our first commercial break of Season 2 and of Actually Like. Uh, but we do things a little bit different, so instead of actual organizations sponsoring us we are choosing different local charities and organizations that have impacted our guests uh, on actually like so Cades was young Williams which is an organization that is there to support cats and dogs and other animals in the local and East Tennessee area uh, I've worked with them before they are a great organization and they do a whole bunch of different things with either uh, short term so you could be making like dog toys and treats and like that kind of stuff or you could actually be going in and walking dogs taking care of the pets and the animals they are just a really nice organization and um Cade wanted to shout them out so thank you guys for joining us uh in season two and continuing to listen we're gonna have different charities uh each episode so Continue to listen, continue to go and support them as they've impacted all of our guests in many ways. So if you want to go and support Young Williams, they are found at youngwilliams.org. Um, thank you, and we're going to go right back to the episode. Moving on to, you already mentioned this earlier, transfers. You hear a lot in college sports about how the transfer portal is now just NFL free agency, especially with... NIL deals now involved. When you're thinking about transfer portal and you're thinking about NILs, there's a lot of like myths and you hear a lot of just, oh, they're buying these players now. Can you go into what NIL is and especially what it isn't? Yeah, um, I, I would say the biggest thing to know about NILs is that NIL deals themselves cannot be funded by boosters for a school. So the, the fact that, that like uh, in Knoxville specifically, um, Spire Sports Group is the largest NIL collective in the entire country. Yeah. But they don't get money directly from those boosters. Or if they do, they find a way to, you know, tuck it somewhere where they can't find it. Yeah. Because that's, that's not allowed. That was one of the first things that the, the NCAA passed when they were, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about releasing NIL. So, I mean... NIL deals themselves are very basic contracts because it's literally just like you do this for my business we give you this much money yeah um, and I think so some of them have just gotten ludicrous like mm-hmm. the one that uh, Nico got for coming here to play next year for quarterback for us um, he he's getting an over a million dollar deal as a 16 year old yeah so that that part is true there, there is multi-million dollar deals being uh-huh. signed for high school children. So, on one hand, it's good that people can make money off of, you know, their, their own name, their own brand. Right. Because, I mean, that, that's what you are as an athlete. You're yeah. your own brand. So, that's good. But on the other hand, it, it, could, it could make being a, um, being a smaller market team 
a lot more difficult. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, you've seen teams like, um, I don't know, TCU, mm -hmm. um, or what's another good small market team? Like uh, Mizzou was good there for yeah. a little bit. But these teams that aren't like historically great, they don't have as much booster money to go around and enough like brands wanting to be signed with them. Mm -hmm. So teams that have a lot more brand deals that are in bigger markets, yeah. they're going to be able to get better players now. Mm -hmm. And that, that's where the transfer portal comes in. I mean, team, like the, the NCAA is trying to make it to where players can't just go wherever they want and just start playing immediately because they made that a rule over COVID yeah. because they wanted players to be able to have the chance to play. Right. But now that COVID's over, like, it's not really over, but, like, you know. That's people, a concern. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but um, players are just being able to go wherever they want yeah. to make the most money. Yeah. Uh, perfect example. USC. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the Addison kid who played at Pitt last year. He will be a top a top ten pick in the draft this year, I uh -huh. believe. So him taking his talents to USC just to get a ton of money because you know no one's going to pay a bunch of money to some guy who plays for Pitt. Pitt's yeah. not a big market. USC is. Yeah. So I definitely think there are drawbacks to it, mm -hmm. but also advantages like yeah. you know giving players the money that they deserve, um, and also the rebirth of the uh, NCAA football game. Yes. Oh my. Yes, it's going to be a blast. Oh, I'm so excited. It's going to be a blast. <laughs> I was but. so mad. Because I was going to say, we left and Mariota was still in the game, and now he's mm -hmm. like a veteran in the NFL. Yep. I'm so yeah. excited for that. Yeah, um, awesome. But, okay, okay, there, there's a lot of breakdown. I would just talk about NCAA football for, or uh, the video game for a while, but there's, there's some things I want to talk about. Um, people are worried about, like, oh, they're just going for the money then. They're not going to their education or they're not going to they're not going there because them and their coach have a good bond how important are those other features in you think recruiting now when they, you could just go where there's the most money um i definitely feel like it depends on the player yeah um so i mean i feel like knoxville itself has created a very positive culture mm -hmm. um specifically with josh heupel um, bringing in his offensive system and it actually being a functional offense for the first time since like Josh Dobbs, but um, that that coach that coach bond is really something that is also important. I think it's probably number two behind the well, DNIL for some people. It's kind of interchangeable. Um, it just depends on the player. Um, in my opinion, I think that the better players would be more you know attracted to that that bond or that culture. Yeah. Um, than the money. Because, I mean, if you're a good enough player, the money's going to follow you. Yeah. Um, good example, a guy named Travis Hunter. He was the number one recruit mm -hmm. last year. Yes. Yep. Went to Jackson State. Yeah. To play with uh, Dion. So, um, I, I definitely feel like there is um, there, there's a, like a dichotomy there of which one people value most. And yeah. I feel like the better players are going to go with that, that culture aspect. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, because I was going to say, it's not, you could make a lot of money and just be a backup mm -hmm. in college, never even play. You could transfer yeah, and be a starter somewhere, maybe a little bit less money. But, you know, like, there's there's still human beings involved. It's not just numbers. Like, they want to have a bond with their coach. They want to have good teammates. They want, like, yes, it's not, definitely. it's not, in my opinion, I don't think it is just all money. 
yet. I, I think NCAA needs to put some regulations on, like, yes, yeah, that because <laughs> I was gonna say Congress was like trying to meet with them, and NCAA was like, I, I don't know, <laughs> yeah, they the NCAA is infamous for just opening uh, cans of worms without uh-huh. having any plan on how to regulate it. So, the NIL landscape is very much the wild west right now, yeah, if you, like, literally, if I wanted to. I could go write a contract for a player, hand it to a business, and it'd be done. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> like, there, there's no regulation on it at all, so. Okay. What do you think that looks like? I mean. Um, that is, that's a tough that's, question. Yeah, sorry. Um, I mean, uh, you could, you, you could make it to where there is limits on uh-huh. how much NIL money they could make, um, which could be a good thing. Um, I mean, you, you could tie it to like performance. Mm-hmm. Um, so in contracts, um, you, you can have something called the conditional, a conditional term to right. make the contract actually like, you know, complete. So if it's like, if this player gets a thousand yards receiving, then this contract goes into play, he gets the money. Okay. Um, he comes in, yeah. he's on the commercial. Yeah. So having more contracts that are perform- performance based rather than just signing it and letting him getting the money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That'll definitely incentivize players to be able to go and perform Play. wherever they go. Yeah. So I definitely yeah. think that there's a different ways to make NIL a, a better deal for everyone, mm-hmm. everyone involved. But the fact that you just had to think of that off the top of your head means you probably haven't heard any like rumors with NCAA what they might do if they're even doing anything. So it really is yeah. the wild wild west. Yeah, there's there's been no- nothing on the whole deal. It's 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 really kind of embarrassing for the NCAA, <laughs> but um, you know it's it's their thing. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, agents themselves that they, they make money off the deals too. So yeah. I'm, I'm not super mad about it, but yeah. So I was gonna say, what what did you say it was? It was you get. Ten percent, three percent. What is um, so nil? Um, there's no, there's no number for it. Oh, so good. You just put it wherever you want. Uh huh. Um, let's say the the NBA I know is three percent. Okay. Of whatever contract it is. So again, if it's a hundred mil contract, that's three million dollars right to your pocket. Keep moving. How you doing? Yeah. Correct. So like you're saying, that one billion dollar contract, that's thirty million dollars. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Get him in there. Exactly. So. Yeah, no, um, I definitely feel like a- agents themselves, they have a negative a negative perception a lot of times yeah. um, as being you know, people chasing money, yeah. but they, they are needed um, mm-hmm. for a lot of things because, I mean, players don't really have the legal know-how mm-hmm. to be able to go head-to-head with a team's lawyers. Yeah, um, when we've been doing contracts. it for years, exactly. and, and ha- so like a 53-person roster all it all has to work together and if you're just going in there i do love roquan smith but like i really want him signed mm-hmm. and it's like if you're just going in there and you're like i don't think it's gonna work out like that's 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 complicating things yeah exactly Dang. um and i mean it, uh agents can actually give, give a lot of perks to players too yeah um like i know uh i, I worked with a3 athletics for um a couple months in an internship mm-hmm. um and I mean, some of the things that you know I can talk about were um, were like uh, like they get uh, invites for players to play different p- kind of like parties, like with um, 
with like the NFL draft, there was yeah. like, you know big, big sponsored parties um, or like different gifts that they would give the players, like for mm-hmm. thanking them for being on the brand. So like you know, um, like Jays. Okay. They they gave out a yeah. lot of Jays. Uh-huh. Um, uh, do you remember? Um, oh goodness, what was his name? Uh, we had a we had a defensive tackle last year. Okay. Um, he signed with A three. Okay. Um, and I mean. He had he had a big like welcome thing. It was really cool. Um, he ended up getting drafted by the Raiders, I believe. Okay. Um, but I mean, just being able to be there for players and help them, mm-hmm. you know, along the way with I mean, it's just stuff like sending them little boxes for their families, mm-hmm. like um, you know, or like if they have a dog, send them like a bark box, or <laughs> you know, just doing little things like that means a lot to people. And I mean, it's it's just a thank you for having them on your brand so yeah so then how would someone like myself either you know in, in counseling role or just like in, in a social work role like helping people on a, on a team how much of your job do you think is those personal skills those connection skills the uh it's not just about the money i, I care about you and your family and like i want to i want everything to be well i want you to use you know live your best life I think that's a big part of it. Okay. Um, the agent-player relationship is, well, should be based off of, um, you know, just mutual respect. Um, you know, just just ca- caring for them in a way that you would want to be cared for by your agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, making sure that they have the proper training yeah. would be a big thing. Um, I mean, the proper mental counseling, like you're saying. Yeah. Um, uh, that's definitely a part of sports that I think is being talked about more now than it has been uh, five years ago. Mm-hmm. You can thank uh, DeMar DeRozan for that. Good. Um, him and Kevin Love have been really big mental health uh, proponents, yeah. especially in the NBA. Um, Carl Nassib, yeah. um, you know, first openly gay player in the NFL. So um, th- these diff- these all these players are starting to bring forth these things that other players might not want to talk about. So you know, being being able to be an agent and give your player the the help that they need in mm-hmm. order to, you know, be the happiest and healthiest that they can be yeah. is definitely something that I feel like a lot of agents haven't um, haven't come to terms with yet. Mm-hmm. But a lot of other agents have also, you know, moved into that role to be that for their players. Yeah. So. Quick shout out to the women's tennis players and uh, gymnastics team for also promoting mental health. I will say, um, though, real fast, they're not. Like, but for you though, like that's that's just you. Just ha- you either have it or you're not. Like they're not teaching you how to be more empathetic in your like law classes. I'm assuming. Oh no, they are not. Um, some of the cases that we have read are the least ethical things that I've ever seen. But, oh god. Um, you know the, the law itself is very black and white when a lot of mm-hmm. things in life aren't. Yes. So very much so. Exactly. Yeah. Be- being an ethical lawyer is something that you have to work at when you're taking cases like you don't want to take a case when you're trying to like you know embezzle money out of somebody uh-huh. or um like you're just you're just in it for the money you want to be able to represent your client or in my case the player mm-hmm. to the best of your ability so um yeah being ethical is just a huge part of being a lawyer or an agent yeah. in, in any capacity um yeah so yeah. didn't uh didn't cj stroud get like a bentley I, I was just thinking about yeah. that when you were talking. <laughs> I was yeah, like, no, I think he did. Um, he signed a massive deal, but he actually the other day just um, 
Oh goodness, he spent, I believe, sixty or a hundred thousand dollars on all of his teammates to have um, new suits for the season. Yeah, I did see that. He said, "I want y'all looking your best," mm -hmm. which again, the money could be used just for the player, or like he's doing there, mm -hmm. helping the team out, getting them all looking dapper. And, yeah, and that's um, why. That's why I hope it's at least going. So I was gonna say, I remember um, a Kirby Smart interview where he was saying. There's, there's only, what, 35 scholarships for the team, something like that? I believe it's 85. Oh, okay. But like, oh, also five, there yeah. is, like, on the Ohio State team, there's, like, 120 players. Yeah, so everyone else is a walk-on. They can make money through NIL playing, even if they weren't going to have the shot, and then they can uh, – one of them was doing um, – was either Kirby Smart or, or Ryan Day, and he was saying the one of the players was using his NIL money to pay for dialysis for his dad. Mm -hmm. Another one was, you know, buying a house for his mom. Like, like literally just, like, it's not all money. I know, like, and this was money that the university was getting, to be fair. Mm -hmm. Like, a while ago, or, you know, Reggie Bush, I guess that was technically illegal. Yeah. But, like, this is money that doesn't necessarily have to be bad things. They can be used in good ways because these are people. Mm -hmm. They're not everyone's a person everyone wants that human relationship with the coaches with each other with their own family and yes they're 16 year old and could be making eight you know eight million dollars like nico but they could be using that money mm -hmm. to take care of other people to use their brand and their name and image and likeness to make the world a better place and connect to other people and that so i'm excited for it because you know more money to the individuals i think yeah that, that's definitely true i mean um, there's uh, the University of Miami. Um, they had you. Yes, the U. Um, but they uh, they signed a deal where every single player on the entire roster gets mm -hmm. an amount of money. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of teams are trying to do that now because it does promote walk-ons and it allows them to be able to go to college mm -hmm. and not have to worry about you know taking out student loans. Yeah. Um, so I mean it it definitely plays a big role in the lives of a lot of the people that you wouldn't think of like, right you know all, all those walk-ons that come to those big teams just to be you know um practice bodies mm -hmm. so it's it's definitely a um a good thing in that respect yeah. and I, I am glad that a lot of players are able to get that especially nowadays yeah so i was i was thinking you have the like people who were the best in their district the best in their school maybe like top 10 in their state mm -hmm. now are just backups mm -hmm. now have a full-time commitment to doing sports but you know can't do it can't hold on a job because it's so important like it's so busy yeah. and these people who are like what what am i supposed to do now have an opportunity um to live just a better life i think exactly. i'm hoping exactly um and it's funny because i one of the first episodes i did on this podcast was talking to a d1 athlete and they just announced that they were able to make money and I didn't know if I was allowed to ask about it or not mm -hmm. and within the year we already have so much updates with it so I'm excited to see where it goes I'm excited to see where you end up and how that's all going so yeah, definitely um the future's bright yeah I definitely think that the, the future of sports is turning in the right direction for everyone involved and I, I can't wait to be a part of that in my career yeah well that's all I got today that's what it's actually like being a I don't even being a contract negotiator, being a... Being an agent. Being an agent. All right. Everyone, that's what it's actually like, being an agent.